Hello, and welcome to the Sutra Side Talk Backlog Special for the Box of Chocolate. I'm your host, Cameron Shushtar, and with me is... James Selig. I was trying to think of, like, because I'm so used to saying all the numbers first and whatnot, and not, like, that full title, but, you know, it was, yeah. I figured it out as we went. It's that kind of, like, not it's not exactly muscle memory, but it's, like, a vocal memory of, like, I normally say this, but that's not the thing for this one. Yeah. And, of course, uh, if you guys have already heard our episode 88, uh, it was full news and on like barely over two hours but yeah freaking two hour news episode oh boy uh we didn't have enough time to yeah no we weren't planning it at all it wasn't supposed to happen that was supposed to be for the first week of march which james imagine imagine that stuff along with the news for the first week of march along with the destiny 2 news we forgot to talk about oh my god yeah i'm actually a little bit glad that we forgot to talk about the destiny news because that would have made it even longer of an episode Yep. Yep. And there's a lot of Destiny 2 news we did forget to talk about. There was just so much I forgot to even put it down. But uh, we will still add that to our uh, first week of March episode. So basically episode 80, 89. Uh, we'll have that along with whatever else is there. Hopefully it's a la- uh, relaxed week. So then uh, we can just focus on that news specifically because we know we'll probably be there just talking about Destiny 2 for like 30 minutes most likely. Yeah. And uh for this episode of course yeah and we'll be just talking about what we've been playing what we've been watching it's our backlog special but of course too uh our backlog specials now will no longer be numbered with like the standard sutra side talk number we're going to keep it to the roman numerals just so uh it's easier to differentiate them and just kind of have them separate but of course these backlog specials aren't permanent either they're only here until we kind of catch up with everything and run out to the point where it's like okay we're back to a normal numbered episode. We talk about the news and we only have like two or three things on our list of like what we've been watching and playing. And we just knock those out pretty fast. Like uh, that's the plan to get back to. And if we run out of stuff, we do have other plans uh, that I've wanted to do for a while that I actually haven't written down yet. But there's like cool little featured topics we can really discuss that aren't necessarily like time. Uh, what would you call it? You're like time uh, relevant, I guess you could say. More like just like discussion pieces, if anything. Yeah. yeah. Many of them, I'm not going to lie, many of them Destiny related. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, there's a lot of fun stuff we could do later on. But with that said, we'll go ahead and kick off our backlog special here. We'll probably be here uh, around an hour and a half or so, maybe a little bit longer, depending on how we're feeling, if we want to get as much out as possible. But for the first time in a while, guys, I'm going to talk about a game. I've just been so focused on talking about movies and TV shows because it's such a fatter list that uh, I've just kind of let my game list slowly grow to like 11, but it's not too bad compared to like the others. But starting off here today, guys, I want to talk about my playthrough of Assassin's Creed Origins, which I'm actually currently playing Odyssey right now. And because I'm playing that right now, I don't want to start mixing them up or anything. And I do want to keep my like thoughts of them separate. So I'm like, oh, I should get Origins out of the way now before like Odyssey completely engulfs my brain. And uh, dude, did you play Origins at all? I can't remember if you did. No, it's on my list of games to play eventually. I'm I'm more excited to get to Odyssey at some point, but I just, I don't know. I never got around to those Assassin's Creed games. Yeah, they're, gotcha. Yeah, they're pretty, they're not, they're definitely different than the rest. Like, uh, 
you know, right before the pandemic started, I had beaten Unity. And right at the start of the pandemic, I was, or no, 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 Syndicate. I was playing Syndicate. And midway through the pandemic, I went through the Ezio trilogy. And then uh, during the fall, I went through Origins. And now I'm playing Odyssey. But I've kind of gotten to relive the old, like, style of Assassin's Creed and also start the new one and, like, the middle tier one as well with Syndicate and stuff. And I could kind of see the the different eras, which, James, I would say there's kind of three eras now. There's the classic era, which is, like, Assassin's Creed 1 through 3. Uh, there's, like, that, the Kenway era, which is, of course, 4, Unity, Syndicate. And now there's the RPG era, which is uh, Origins, Odyssey, and Valhalla. So you can yeah. see a lot of, like, differences there where uh, I still feel pretty gravitated towards the original. I'm not going to lie. Like, I've, like, playing Syndicate showed me what it was like back, uh, with the middle tier, and I think that's honestly the weakest tier for me. Like, I know Black Flag's in that area, but it never really hit me like it hit everyone else. Whereas, yeah. like, I still actually have fond memories of the Ezio trilogy and Assassin's Creed 3. And now I'm playing Origins and stuff and Odyssey and talking about Origins here. Uh, it started off odd for me. I was not liking it at all. And I was very bored. And I had to actually go on Reddit. I never use Reddit, James. And I went on Reddit and I because I was I'm like, I don't know where else to go. I don't know if there's like um, forums are dead. So it's like either Reddit or Discord at this point. And so I go on Reddit to the like our Assassin's Creed and I'm like, Yo, why does this game suck? Why am I bored? Like, is, is this shit supposed to happen? And everyone starts responding, and they all pretty much say, like, the same thing. They're like, are you in Alexandria? And I'm like, no. And they're like, oh, are you just, like, around the beginning? I'm like, yeah, but it just doesn't feel like... It doesn't feel like Assassin's Creed. I feel like I'm just running around, like, uh, a bare-bones RPG, and there's no story yet that I care about. Like, they're kind of throwing you into, like, a random thing. You don't know really what's happening in the Egyptian world here. You're playing as a Medjai... Uh, shit, what's his name? Bayek. Uh, yeah. You're playing as Bayek, and you are also going through as, uh, shit, now what's her name? <laughs> the the yeah, woman who plays uh, outside of the Animus. Um, I should know this. I just saw, I just was using her a second ago. Like I jumped out of Odyssey into the real world. Yeah, I, I remember uh, Daniel saying he wasn't a huge fan of how the game started, at least. Like, it was really jarring, and he was just like, I don't know this character, but all of a sudden, like, they fast forward, like, a year or whatever. Like, it, he said it felt like he missed some things. But that's just how the yeah. game starts. And, oh, yeah, Layla Hassan, that's her name. Hmm. So she's also Egyptian, but here's the thing. She's not related to Bayek. She's not a descendant. Uh, the way they do it is now they've changed the way the Animus works. They okay. can just get DNA or some form of weapon from an assassin and relive their memories no matter who is using the Animus. It doesn't have to be the uh, relative anymore. Yeah, they, or they like kind the of set that up in Assassin's Creed Liberation with... Um, oh, oh, yeah, huh. Aveline? With the Aveline, yeah. Yeah. I forgot they did that. Yeah, because wasn't that from a Templar perspective that they saw her? Yeah, something like that. It was, it was like, oh, thanks for buying this Abstergo handheld gaming device. <laughs> Like, the, I, I kind of like that. The, oh, that um, Abstergo owns Ubisoft? <laughs> well, that and it's like, they try to make it for the Assassin's Creed games that, like, Abstergo is now a game company, and they're just, like, selling historical memories as games. Yeah. And, 
like I mean making tweaks to it so they make the assassins look like the bad guys and stuff like that unless you hack it like in uh liberation where uh, I'm getting too off topic <laughs> I like that you're whispering you're acting like you're whispering to know, me no with like your see. hand and like, the no audience can't see, see any of that, that. For you. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah so they, they change that they get like um I forget I think they find like the tomb of it was either the tomb of Bayek or it was, it was I think Bayek and uh, Aya oh, together. Okay. And I think they were together. They were separate. I don't really remember anymore. Uh, That's why I'm like, shit, I got to talk about it now before I start forgetting things. But oh, like, no. it starts off like Bayek is a Medjai and it's at the Ptolemaic period, which for those that don't know, for the like Egyptian dynasties, the pharaohs and stuff. There was a lot of ages throughout thousands of years. So you think all these pyramids and shit, like no matter what you're thinking, ancient Egypt, there's like three different ancient Egypts of time. And right. some ancient Egypts are ancient to the other ancient Egypts. Like they're like, oh, that was thousands of years ago and we're thousands of years ago. <laughs> like it's crazy. Um, for this, it's kind of that late period. The Romans have pretty much taken over everything. You're in the time of uh, Julius Caesar and cleopatra so you have that strange love affair and like you know cassius brutus and stuff they assassinate him and octavius i think i don't think octavius is in this neither is mark anthony uh fucking idiots they supported caesar idiots idiots (laughs) but um they they have like that era going on ptolemaic where cleopatra is the last of the line of pharaohs but she's not pharaoh yet it's her like little brother who is just like the short dude interesting (laughs) uh and yeah, and he is the current pharaoh, and it's, like, weird. It's like there's an alliance, but you could tell the Romans have a lot of sway here. And it's also at a period where it's post-Greek as well. So, uh, for those that don't know either, the Ptolemaic period is the period where it's not pure pharaohs anymore. The conquering by alexander the great had occurred so the greeks pretty much like the macedonians the greeks had mm. taken over egypt and the ptolemaic pharaohs are all like egypt they're greek egypt they're greek egyptian so they're like a mix to the point where now like the greeks are in charge and the egyptians are like kind of secondhand citizens a bit I so you're dealing that. with that, that is an interesting yeah. part of egyptian history where it's it's not just egyptians in around the nile it's like egyptians and greeks and romans yep it's so weird and like you're getting these differentiating like groups of people and they look different too like you could tell differences whether it's skin color clothing uh accents all that kind of stuff and there's racism in it through it like they straight up have greeks being like oh filthy egyptians and shit and the egyptians are like you piece of shits came to our country colonizers and stuff like it's all that kind of stuff and honestly it works really well like the the way they expand the world and make it grow through is really, really cool. And I definitely love that. And I give this game a pass for Assassin's Creed because it's supposed to be the origin of the Assassins. So I'm like, okay, fine. There's no like full on like they start they start showing you the hidden blade and everything else. Like you get that in the game. Because for those that don't know, the hidden blade uh, predates the Assassins. Uh, it was, uh, you only actually find, I think you find that out in Assassin's Creed 2. Um, cause they show, uh, the, the Persian, I think his name is Darius. The Persian assassin Darius, uh, assassinates like Xerxes 
with the hidden blade and it's like yeah he's the first one to create it so james the hidden blade's created by persians oh boy uh i forgot about that and yeah right you have to like i it's only because i recently played like the mm, Ezio trilogy right. again but also like they talk about it a bit uh not necessarily the persians but like that kind of stuff they're they're like yeah this is hidden blade and i'm like oh shit that's right but uh you start off as bike and you like have a wife you don't see for a bit and you're just kind of wandering around and doing stuff and there's like weird flashbacks you see of his son but you don't need more and you're like okay so the son's dead and he was killed by someone and it's like the hidden ones who are like pre-templars they're like they're like proto-templars mm-hmm. and they are like scheming shit and like i think the kid the like accidentally walks in on them or something or they just don't like that there's a med shy. I honestly don't remember anymore. It's kind of confusing. Even like while I was playing it, I was like, what what's kind of the point of this? Mm, that's not good. And yeah, and you're you're kind of going around killing the hidden ones over time. And each one's got a name of like an animal. It's like the uh the crocodile, the mm. jackal, the uh cheetah or whatever. It's like all these different ones. And each one has like a past and you learn about them. And one of them is even like a dude that's helping you out for a bit. And then you learn who he is and you kill him. Huh. And his son fi- sees it. His little, his son sees it in his wife. And they're like, oh, what would you do? done? Why'd you do that? You're like, we trusted you. And you're like, he wasn't who he said he was. He was blah, blah, blah. And they're like, oh, shit. Or like the wife is. And it's really cool because Wait, later the on. The wife is like, oh, what? <laughs> yeah. She's like, what? Uh, but like later on when you're older. Uh, like the game flashes forward the sun's grown up and he comes to kill you oh whoa that's actually yeah. interesting yeah it's like a that whole like you know circle of vengeance and shit yeah and you talk it's actually really cool because you talk him down and he's like all right whatever bye and like he stops actually i think i if i remember correctly he actually end up recruiting him I, if it was either you recruit him to the assassins or uh he just goes on his way i honestly don't remember anymore but the whole thing is there's these this hidden group and you start off like you find your wife in Alexandria and you're traveling through Egypt for the most part and Cleopatra recruits you guys and she's like, I think, you know, they're working with my brother potentially. This is also, this is really for the greater good of Egypt. You, if you put your support in me, I'll make things better. And you have to help like dethrone the last Ptolemy uh, pharaoh and that's when like you know julius caesar comes into it or no you go she's trying to recruit pompey you meet pompey and you're like okay cool like uh we're gonna side with pompey and like bayek is doing the shit against the hidden ones and staying in the area whereas aya you're we get aya is the naval combat so Uh, all this stuff with the ships is with her interesting yeah and she's really cool like she she's straight up to like business where she's like i love you but you know vengeance for our son comes first over anything and they she pretty much like goes to meet with pompey and then it turns out he's he's decapitated and caesar's there and he's like how's it going i was hunting this guy for a while oh. and you forget in like history pompey was that general that like caesar had to hunt down and kill and then after that he becomes like the king or whatever like the, yeah like i the recognize the name pompey but I, I couldn't remember the significance of it yeah, it was like the three generals were uh, Caesar, Cassius, and Pompey. Right. And later on, Cassius betrays him because he's also like, I mean, he's too powerful. He's literally like, we're a republic, and you're not the re- you're not republic. You're like the fucking Palpatine of us. Yeah. And uh, they, yeah. So they then do like a whole thing where 
Ptolemy then tries to fight both of them and they team up and you're like going through a battle with Caesar as Bayek and together like they crash a fucking uh, chariot and they get up and uh, Caesar's like we're almost there together we're gonna make history and they like do a whole hand clasp like we're brothers mm-hmm. and then they like win and Caesar's like kill him <laughs> and you're like what the fuck oh my god yeah so they betray you and they're like yeah the Romans are in charge now and like Cleopatra is you know doing the whole thing with Miriam so the whole time you're supporting these people they just backstab you and then it's like uh, Ayaz comes with the discovery oh we can't trust leaders for the people and if that's the case if, pe- if these leaders are bad for the people and they don't help freedom, we need to mm. end them. So that's the start of the assassins is like, yeah, we, our whole deal is safeguarding against tyranny. Yes. And it's like they're working against because they're seeing the threats. They're realizing the threats of the hidden ones who will eventually, you know, become pretty much like the Templars. Yeah. And they're seeing the threats of leaders that can cause bad things to the people that basically their order is instead suffering what instead of like being freedom for their people mm. and like yeah at one point uh like the whole game is pretty much your journey through eliminating the hidden ones helping cleopatra and caesar and then eventually like going against them but like you're gaining your vengeance on the hidden ones primarily like that's the main thing for bayek and then he's really thinking that linearly whereas i is starting to see the bigger picture and it actually ends sad because, like, Aya is really, really cool. And it's also sad, like, I, I really like Bayek because he actually has jokes and shit. But well, you, got jokes you learn that... <laughs> exactly. You learn that uh, they... You know, the whole history behind the Assassin's Creed games here is, like, the, the female, uh, the female, like, depowerment in these games because right. of the execs when they're making them. Like, we talked about yeah. before... It like started with Syndicate Evie where Evie. Character. It's like they weren't even going to be making your main apparent. Like they were going to have equal amount of missions, and Jacob actually has more than she does. Mm. And I said it before, like I never noticed because I always played as Evie during the free roam areas. So yeah, majority of my game was her, and because like I chose her because she was the assassin, where Jacob is like the gangster. Exactly the same. And I I really liked her cloaking ability, and I mean it's nice that. Jacob had the ability to like, or he was just like a better brawler, but in a stealth game, you're yeah. going to choose the person who has better stealth abilities. And you're also seeing too, Syndicate's the start of, hey, what if we did other stuff besides Assassins in Assassin's Creed? Yeah. And I'm like, uh, no. Also, sorry, there's like people yelling outside no, in the no backyard worries. or something in I some did, yard. I did really uh, like I heard like, like, oh. I did really like that, like, Gangs of London, uh, thing yeah and you know now you have an rpg and you're starting to feel a little bit less stealth here so at least story-wise it gets better like once you do hit alexandria shit starts picking up pace you're getting the pieces put together and you're getting questions answered but before that it is actually kind of an annoyance where you're just kind of like all right whatever whatever and my advice to anyone of course you know guys spoilers of course like come on here in a yeah this game came out like a while ago there's like three more ones (laughs) Yeah, this is 2017, oh, I think. Those are two, two ones, I guess. Two, two more. Yeah. Two more, yeah. You're two ones. <laughs> yes, James, two ones. I, I know <laughs> the words sometimes. <laughs> All right, Mr. Scientist. But uh, <laughs> I can't yeah, I never said vocabulary was my forte. It's true. It's like Brandon with his writing. <laughs> you can't do grammar for shit. But like, 
Um, yeah, it's like, uh, so you get through that grind for that, like, I don't know, it's probably an hour or two maybe. And then once you get out of it, it gets a lot better. And I got really into it. And here though, like, it's so, it's starting to get a lot bigger. It does feel bigger than the earlier games because the earlier games, they're not RPGs, they're sandboxes. Yeah. So they're like a set world. You're not leveling up, but you're doing everything in there. And yeah, there's a lot of stuff, but you know, it's, it's doable for the most part. You can get it done here with RPGs. It's not the same. And, you know, normally I'd probably be fine with that, but I'm also a special case here because I have a fat backlog and I want to get through it. So I'm not in the most patient of modes currently. Just like that's the reason why I fucking said I can't do Bloodborne right now Dude, because I, I can't. I feel you. I'm like almost done with Persona 5, but I'm like 90 hours into it at this point. And I'm just like, I kind of just want to move on to another game. It's not that I'm not enjoying it, but it's just like I have so many other RPGs I could play that I, I just kind of wish yeah. that this game was like 90 hours and not like 120 hours. And... I just do all the main missions and I decided like I was enjoying it enough that I'm like, all right, fine. You got me. I will do the uh, side missions too. As long as they're related to story, I will do them. And a lot of them is pretty much just like you straight up see people talking to go, what's going on here? And they go, well, you see, I don't know you, but I'm going to tell you everything anyway. But then you can do something for me. And that's how this game and I'm like, this is how this and Odyssey are. It's just straight up you walk over and it's just random shit. But th then again, though, that's just me probably nitpicking because that's honestly any RPG. If you fucking play Skyrim, it's like two yeah. people fighting and you go, oh, what's that? I can help you. It's like complete stranger. I trust you. you go is, do this for me. That is definitely a staple of RPGs is like going around and talking to everyone to see if there's like quests and stuff to do. Hi, I am protagonist. I am here to do that bidding for rewards. Pretty see? much exactly. Yeah. And at least Geralt was like straightforward. He's just like, pay me to kill your monsters. Yeah. And you know, like, uh, I've become very, like, I'm very big in RPGs now and it's just, it's like I like this, but I'm also, I like RPGs, but I think Assassin's Creed for me is not a game I want to be an RPG necessarily. Mm. And I, I feel you there, yeah. Like, it, it drove me nuts when they said that, like, oh, yeah, because it's an RPG, you know, damage is calculated based on levels and stuff, so you won't be able to one-hit kill, assassinate every single enemy, at least not in Origins. I think they brought that back for Ragnarok, but... That yeah, I haven't. Origins and Odyssey, like, uh, you, you straight, yeah, there's some you can, but then if they're higher level or something or whatever, then you're just like, Hidden Blade come from the roof, and it's like, you've taken off a quarter of my life. I'm going to kill you now. And you're just like, what the fuck? What? But no, I stabbed you in what the I fucking neck, bro. Neck? What do you mean? <laughs> yeah, you're just like, he's supposed to be dead. <laughs> it's like, uh, it's but a flesh wound. <laughs> exactly. And, yeah, the mechanics, they're really fun. The game is really fun. I had a great time. I think it's a great RPG. I mean, it's a like good RPG. Sorry, it's not a great RPG. Like, it, it does a really good job. So far, I'm liking Odyssey more, honestly. Uh, I definitely noticed, though, Odyssey is much fucking fatter. I'm like, oh my god. Yeah, the way, they, forever. the way Greg Miller described it is like, there's so many islands and every island has like a bunch of things to do. It, it sounded like you could play that game for a long, long time. Kind yeah of so it. yeah and these rpgs like these assassin's creed rpgs i've realized at least for uh origins and odyssey my way of going about it is i'm doing three specific things i'm doing synchronization points so you know your your uh buildings where you get on top and you synchronize and then you jump off the top i love those 
and I'm doing the main story and I'm doing the side missions that are story related because when you get to like Odyssey, it's like they, they start giving you a fuck ton of stuff that's just like bounties and they're like renewable and crazy fucking shit. And I'm like, oh no. But in Origins still talking about that, the mechanics, like the combat is really cool. You can change your attack styles. Um, there's a lot more you know, customization to it. You can pick and choose. There's like leveling trees and whatnot. And you get all these different types of skills. And it is really cool. There is also like that whole thing where you're starting to freak out because you're seeing legendary monsters and stuff in the trailers. Right. I will say like, do, do you care if I spoil it? Or... No, not really. I, I want to. Pl- it's I like hallucinations and stuff. That makes sense. There's no actual. The only thing that is uh, like freaky besides like you know the apple powers is uh you do it turns out that's uh what the, whoever the villain is from final fantasy 15 is actually entombed here and you accidentally let him free and then he gets out and goes to final fantasy 15 what oh yeah, i forgot it, they did a dlc like that you know what i'm riding uh so you could ride in this game you could ride horses or camels currently i am riding a chocobo um, interesting yeah it's a chocobo camel Huh. and it's pretty cute i'm like uh this thing is interesting and i'm like i mean it's not cute but it's like it's a noble it's a noble steed of sorts and i'm like all right this is fucking weird but i, I did everything really i there there's like dlc to it too there's um because the, the whole game ends with like they separate it's like the thing that kept them together was their son and they're like i don't think i can really go back to it and now we have new roles like i was like i have to i have to create this order and expand it and she's like you know i've i have these friends brutus and caesar and the game like practically ends with her in rome assassinating caesar with the others like she does the first stab she just walks in there stabs caesar and then yep and then uh you know brutus and cassius fucking go at it and they go my turn uh she then goes to cleopatra after and visits her with her kid and she's like hey we killed your husband you should watch what you're doing next time and she's like, oh, and the whole thing, if you look at the Assassin's Creed 2 statue of Aya, which Aya changes her name. It was very confusing because in the Assassin's Creed 2 statue, it says Amunet is the assassin. Oh, okay. And when Aya becomes the leader of the assassins, or when she founds them, she's like, I will go by Amunet from now on. And she changes her name to that. And that's where, and the thing is, too, Amunet is like in two is the one that doesn't kill caesar or at least it doesn't talk about it she's the one that kills cleopatra and in this game you don't but she says if you ever do anything wrong i'll be here for you and that's foreshadowing to like eventually that does occur you know she kills her and like thus ending the line of the pharaohs pretty much until because like you know the, the empires pretty much rule over at that point from other countries it's like once the ptolemaic era ends the power of egypt is gone of it being like one of the ruling world powers it is gone. It is now like just another country being invaded and taken over by like bigger places now. Like it's it's lost its line in the food chain at the top. And that's historically that's always interesting to watch how these things progress and change. Uh, but yeah, they there's two DLC thing the DLCs though, James. One is the continuation of like the assassins in a different. I think it's like not Siwa. It was a it's like the Senu Canal or something where there's a part of Egypt that's separated by the Nile River, and it's, like, on the other side. You go there, and you, like, help the assassins there, and you're this is another, like, test because you're helping the people. But one of the guys that's helping the people 
is doing some fucked up shit where he's like, oh, you know, we're going to use tragedy and I might accidentally create this event to occur where these people will die, but in it we'll gain more soldiers because they'll have a reason to hate those in charge that we're fighting against. And you find that out and you're like, oh shit, I thought I liked this dude. And you have to end up killing him too because you're like, you know, there's no exceptions. If you're against the people, we have to kill you, even if you were on our side. Right. And you go through that, you get new assassins, and then the last one, this is where actually shit does get fucking magical. It's Tomb of the Pharaohs, and the uh, spirits of dead pharaohs come back and start haunting, I uh, forget what city it was. Uh, it was another big city, but it was one we weren't at in the main portion of Egypt. And I think it was... Yeah, I already forgot what it was, because, you know, you use Thebes, you use... Uh, there's Thebes, there's Alexandria, there's another one, I forget what the third one was, but, like, we're at that one, too. And you end up having to fight these magical pharaohs and going to the afterlife, and you fight in the afterlife, and there's crazy giant fucking scorpions that are fucking insane, and I'm like, why do I have to keep fighting these giant scorpions? They're really mean, and they chase you, and they're really hard to kill, but uh, you get really cool gear from it, and you're, like, doing all these mysteries, because it's like, oh, it's, like, Nefertiti, there's Khufu, there's Tut, and you're, like, fighting their spirits in the afterlife after you fight them in the real world. And it's super weird because each one has their own separate afterlife world. And there, there's even side quests in there where there's people that are dead that are like, oh, can you, like, send a message to my, like, uh, love that's alive? And you're like, sure, okay. And you read to the real world and you're like, here. They said this and they're like, oh, my God, oh, Jesus. And, yeah, it's just, uh, yeah, it's pretty crazy. But... Overall, uh, really awesome mechanics. Really love the graphics, the history, the design of ancient Egypt is amazing. So if you're an Assassin's Creed fan, you might not be happy because it doesn't feel like an Assassin's It just feels like an RPG with stealth elements, but not necessarily like primarily one, which I'll say Odyssey doesn't... I think Odyssey actually gets worse. It does the opposite. But uh, if you love history, which, you know, Assassin's Creed, I loved, mainly, I loved it mainly for the history at the time. I still love it for the Assassin style stuff, but that's what's probably going to keep me going forward is the fact that I get basically period piece games and I get to like live through those historical points and see like the designs and stuff that I normally wouldn't. And that's what really digs me into it for the most part. But the story itself is really cool. It's just, like I said, the only thing here is it's a little grindy at points especially mm -hmm. the beginning but once you get into it you kind of overlook it and then the uh the the stealth element of being like being an assassin I, I would say to maybe give it a chance because it is still like the origin point of the assassins at least kinetically wise you can give that a pass but i don't know if you can do so with odyssey specifically but you know i'll talk about that eventually when i finish that game mm. But that is uh, my thoughts of Assassin's Creed Odyssey. So I actually looked it up. Amunet or Amunet uh, is a primordial goddess from like before time, apparently, according to ancient Egypt or ancient, hmm. ancient Egyptian religion. And apparently in uh, hieroglyphics, her name translates to the hidden one, which makes sense for an assassin. Oh, that does make sense. Yeah. Yeah. Or at least that makes sense that an assassin would uh, take that name. Yeah, I think it was the 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 pre proto Templars were either called hidden ones or the like ancient ones. It was one of the two. I don't remember anymore. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> like I said, that's why I needed to get this game out because I'm like fogging up on everything now. 
Interesting. But I'm going to pass it off to you. And yeah. I think that's the only game I'm talking about today because otherwise, like, that took a lot out of me to talk about. But also, I think that was, like, the most of the games I wanted to actually really speak of anyway. Yeah. So I was going to talk about Control because I just finished that. But I think I'd rather t- uh, get Uncharted The Lost Legacy off of my list because I don't think I talked about that yet. Or did I? Did I t- talk okay. about that on a previous episode? I don't uh, think we talked. I don't. I don't think you talked about I control i don't remember talking about this one no uh no, I, I didn't put uh, it in any legacy. of the notes before and, oh lost okay. legacy no you didn't talk about that either yeah yeah that's what i thought i i like there was one of these backlog specials that i like forgot to immediately cross off what i had talked about so i was like there might be a few things on here that i uh have already talked about that i haven't crossed off but i don't anyway so i kind of slept on uncharted the lost legacy when it first came out because I mean, I had, I had just finished Uncharted 4, uh, so I was like, okay, the series had a good endpoint. It's cool. I mean, I bought Uncharted Lost Legacy when it first came out because I was like, oh, I love Uncharted. I'm going to play it eventually. I just never did. Um, and, man, it's, like, actually a really enjoyable game. Like, I mean, Dude, totally... it's actually, this is perfect because this is on my list. <laughs> oh, awesome. Okay. Yeah. Like, I mean, I already liked Chloe Frazier from, you know, Uncharted 2 and 3. I think she's like probably one of my favorite side characters. And I liked that she was like the focus of this story. And it was on mythology that I'm not really like knowledgeable about, which is like ancient, like Indian uh, mythology or Hindu oh, yeah. mythology specifically. I can I can never remember Hindu mythology, but I guess just Indian history. Yeah, and it was fascinating, and some of the puzzles were really cool, and I I really liked that. Uh, at least for the major, like the meaty part of this game, they kind of pull from the Madagascar segment of uh, Uncharted Four, where it's like a little bit open world, and you can kind of go in to certain places before others, and so you start off and you like. You get into this open area, you get to the high point, and you look around for like the different uh, locations on the map, and it literally fills them in as you look at them yourself. And I don't know, I just thought that that was really clever. I really liked that you can do any of the objectives in any order you want. And um, I, I even appreciate that if you do all of the little side quest stuff in that area, you get a little uh, treasure item that lets you... Like your Find controller, yeah, your controller will vibrate if there's a treasure nearby, and that makes. Uh, granted, I still somehow missed a couple throughout the rest of the game, but uh, it makes treasure hunting a hell of a lot easier. Uh, it really does. And yeah, I just I really enjoyed the story of it. I liked that it, it was a personal story that was connected to Fr- uh, to Chloe herself. Like she was basically trying to validate her father's work. That, like, yeah, he he was like, I know this like this tusk of uh, Ganesh exists like, and I can find it. And he never did. So Chloe was like, yeah, dad spent like, you know, all of his life and his fortune on, you know, f- f- looking for this treasure. And he never really spent any time with me or anything. So that's why she yeah, had to- sacrificed everyone, his family. Yeah. Who, yeah. And then at, at a certain point in the story, you find out that like he did find the tusk and he like intentionally, that's why he sent Chloe and her mother away. It was like, he knew that someone was going to come find him. And he, like, he ends up sacrificing himself to keep the secret safe or something like that. And it's this really touching moment where Chloe, like, has that closure of, like, oh, my father did care about me. And, like, 
I love the proof that like he actually got there was like the little figurine that she's had in her pocket the entire time was like the key to one of the areas. I I loved that. Like, oh my God, this means that my dad was here. Like my dad was in this room at some point. And I don't know. I I thought that was a really great uh, uh, reveal. And also what's her name? The Nadine. Nadine. Oh, Nadine was awesome. Yeah. Nadine Ross. Yeah, dude. Dude, she's a badass. <laughs> and I like that they also even brought Sam in at like the very end. And he's like, Oh, that was fan yeah, that was really fantastic. That he's he's like, like the the guy on the inside the whole time. Yeah, he's like, Why did you bring this lady here? It's like she wants to kill me. Like, well, I had no other options. Yeah. You do what you gotta do, right? And dude, this game I think does such a good job because also like I mean for me, I, I should have like I was in LA. This is like when I was getting ready to leave LA uh, and come back to San Francisco when I was, uh, when this came out. So I never got to really play it. And which is funny too, because I usually will put everything down for uncharted games each time. This was the first time I didn't. And I think it just got buried and everything else. And I just kept it in the regular like backlog order instead of fast tracking it. But once I got through it early over the summer, I think, uh, I think it was like late summer or something, or I forget when I did it, but I, Uncharted 4 is really, really good, and it, like, perfects a lot of stuff from the earlier games, and I think I've talked about it before, but it, it feels kind of thick a little bit, it is just little in terms media, of, like, yeah. how long things take, and this is so good because it it just kind of shortens it a lot and makes it so, even the points where there is linear action and, like, adventure and exploring, there's still that exploration with the car and stuff and you're like going around yeah you're going around that map area but it's only like one single area for the most part like you're not Mm -hmm. um doing it multiple times you're just kind of doing it once and it helps really establish a lot of the character development like their conversations really give a lot everything from chloe's history with nate to uh, nadine's history with asav which you learn about asav and he's just like fucking some point chloe mentions like well, it'd be easier to exp- to mention like what places in the world I haven't been, and so Nadine's like, "Oh, okay. Well, then where haven't you been?" And she's like, "I've never been to the states." And she's like, "Wait, what? You've been like all over the world, and you've never been to America?" And she's like, "Yeah, I'm an ancient treasure hunter. There's like nothing ancient in America, so there's no point for me to go there." Which is isn't that crazy? I would love it if they eventually did an Uncharted game where you go through like. Uh... You go through maybe like all the old American Indian stuff or maybe like the Spanish and English explorers. That would be interesting. Yeah. And they kind of explore that. That would actually be really cool. And th- where the fuck would you even look though? That's the, that's the crazy part. I'd be like, uh, but dude, it's the amount of just making everything shorter and the development of these characters. Like you really grow to like Nadine a lot, especially oh, yeah. in this one. Like in four, you know, she's trying to kill Drake the whole time. And she's more brute than anything. Like, she just straight up goes and starts punching people no matter what. And this one, she kind of still does it. But, uh, you know, now you have the banter between her and Chloe. And it's really cool. And you really feel for Chloe, too, because she's going through, like, her own personal journey mm-hmm. here. And I'll be honest, dude, after playing all three, I cracked up because I'm like, man, this is great. She should be the Tomb Raider. And I, I play, like, remember yeah. playing all the Lara Croft games. And I'm like... I'm be honest, I like Lost Legacy than the whole Tomb Raider trilogy here. And I'm like, dude, I would prefer, I would love it if they just switched it because Laura's fine and everything, but Chloe just has like this personality. She's actually 
she her and Drake were like the same practically. Yeah. Like they they were just she is the closest one more so than more so than um Elena or anyone else. She was the other one that cracked jokes and had like a fun personality of just like kind of she's kind of loony like in terms of just being fun. She's like fun. She's really fun compared to like uh, other characters where they're more serious and stuff. And she just is cool to explore with. Like, where is Laura? She's like, my father is blah, 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 blah. And my only friend is this guy that kind of hates me for destroying Mexico. And, and then this one's like, yeah, this fucking, I go around and then I, I see people, I say bye. And then, you know, I have a good time. And I have one-liners when I see the villain. And I'm just like, yeah, one-liners, let's go. Oh, yeah, the villain but, guy was also yeah. really intimidating, too. Dude, Asab is a trick because he, the whole thing, they're like, yeah, I, I don't think he actually needs glasses. He just does that to look smart and deceive people that he's actually a very expert fighter and could really beat the shit out of people to the fact like you have Chloe and Nadine having to double team him in order yeah, to take him down. Yeah, that fight with him epic. Yeah, he's fucking strong. Yeah, and it's crazy because like the first time they try to fight him, he beats the shit out of them. The yeah. second time when they try to fight him, he beats the shit out of them still, but they, like, actually beat the shit out of him in return this time, and they're like, oh my god, like, this dude is fucking insane. And, like, uh, the betrayal with, like, her and Nadine, where she's like, I have Sam there, and she's like, why don't you tell me? And it's like, well, I don't know if you're gonna be trusted yeah, enough, well, and... Yeah, you wouldn't come if I told you Sam was involved. Yeah, next thing you know, she's got a fist in the face and stuff, like... Yeah. Th- yeah. That, and Dude, then all the exploring... for a bit. She's like, fuck yeah. you, I'm done. And they they utilize, like I said, like all the different functions of Uncharted 4. They just kind of perfect practically. Like you have all the climbing mechanics, but also the phone use. Uh, they do a really good job with the phone because, you know, she doesn't have the same stuff that Nate does. Uh, if I remember correctly, there's, is there a, does she still have a notebook in this one? Uh, she has like a map and I think she has a notebook, but I think it's her father's notebook, maybe. Mm, okay. Yeah. So she doesn't have like those Nate doodles and stuff uh like he does normally which are you know those are fantastic yeah instead <laughs> she takes uh like vacation photos yeah and that's really fun especially with the monkeys when you see those little monkeys yeah. you're like yeah monkeys but overall like i'd say dude this game is fantastic i was ready to be like oh i think this is the best game of the year practically especially I- since like it's not as long as some of the other uncharted games it feels like there's no wasted time in that game yeah definitely definitely and I think it was, if it, like I said, if I think if it wasn't for a fractured butthole, that probably would be my game of year, game of the uh, year. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but that, that fucking game. That yeah, is hard to beat. Good. It is very yeah, hard for, to beat. For a, dude, that game. Any, any... Yeah, for a non, Go for like, uh, mainline Uncharted game, like it's in the story, but it's like not a numbered game. It's still very worth it. And a good closing. This is like the last one until. Honestly? potentially sony san diego makes new uncharted games true yeah i'd be fine if like if they don't want to do any more nate games because he you know his story is kind of wrapped up and like they could use his daughter at some point in the future maybe but i'd be fine if they just did more chloe games because yeah she's a really awesome character i'm very curious yeah that's the whole thing too like the ending too where it's her with the little indian girl and nadine and sam and he's like you know oh we didn't get (laughs) We kind of lost, and they're like, here's pizza. And he's like, oh, this is actually really good Indian pizza. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> they just end like that. They just end their eating pizza. And I'm like, yeah. this is really good. <laughs> and that's that's a callback to like the, the beginning of the game when the little girl's like, 
hey, I can take you to where you want to go, but like, you know, money, please. And yeah. uh, Chloe's like, she knows what she's going to do is dangerous. So she's like, okay, little girl, but please just go back to your like shop stall. I promise you, I'll buy you a pizza when I get back. How about that? And she does. <laughs> yeah. It's so, oh my God. It's just so, it's so home. It's like, I don't know. It's just very sweet. Yeah. And it's just a good time. And yeah, you get all these fun characters. I do love that. Like Sam, Sam's like trying to bellyache about like, but we didn't like get the tusk. We didn't make any money. And she's like, just eat your pizza. He's like, oh yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah. It's like, ah. it's like one of those episodes of one of those shows like Ed and Eddie or something where they're just like, they don't, they end their scam and there's like nothing there. And they're just like, well, oh, well. Yeah. But whatever. Yeah. Good time. All right. Movie time, James. And shows. Uh, first off, wait, oh wait, did we... I'll skip this one, actually. Never mind. Uh, Mobile Suit Gundam, War in the Pocket. So, I watched this. It's a limited show. It's like, I want to say like eight episodes or something. It was my... I think this is my first uh, Mobile Suit Gundam that is post, like, the main arc that I watched previously like I talked about the three shows uh the main Gundam uh Zeta ZZ and then the Char's counterattack movie that's like all wrapped up as one full story with like Amuro and Char and stuff and Mm -hmm. this is like a brand new one it's different and it's really good it's very it's like during the war it's uh like it's not there's nothing really it, it just references some stuff that's happening with like the main shows but for the most part, it's it's very much in its own thing during this the original series. And here, actually, if I remember correctly, it is the prequel because this is where the Gundam is that Amuro gets. That's what it was. So I, I know you uh, haven't. Okay. I don't know if you've watched Gundam, but know, like, like uh, the the bit. Gundam that. Okay, the there's like a kid that lives in a town. He's like everything's boring. Like him and all the friends pre- do play pretend stuff, and they're like we're the Federation forces, and we play pretend like this and stuff. And they glorify, you know, it's just any kids. They play war. They glorify yeah. war, and they don't know anything about it. With it, like a sword. Yeah, and there's like they're in one of the uh, space base, like space colonies and stuff. And at one point there's a fight like the Federation and the Xeon fight and the Xeon are actually there secretly because they tried to, they tried to stop the Gundam for the first time and they're trying to get the Gundam away from the Federation. That's going to go to Amuro and they come here to infiltrate the, the colony and the kid like ends up finding them because he, that he finds one of the pilots from one of the battles and like helps the pilot out a bit, but he's like more obsessed with stuff. He starts taking pictures of the, the Zaku, uh mobile suit and the pilot's like what are you doing kid and he's like ah it looks pretty cool of me man <laughs> and he's like is that a real he points the gun at the kid and the kid's like is that a real gun whoa no way <laughs> and uh the, the pilot they honestly become friends and like he brings the kid in and like he meets like this crew that he's a part of of these uh this special forces uh zeon troop and this pilot that he met is actually the new guy. He's like a replacement for one of the pilots that died in their first assault trying to get the Gundam. And like over time, they're like, oh, we could use this kid, but also he's not too bad. And they're still trying to do their thing. And it, it, it's like one of those first times too, where you're just like, oh yeah, there's good people on both sides. 
or like they they seem okay like they're kind of they're ruthless special forces guys that are ready to kill anybody but you're kind of they're, they're making the show makes you like them and then on the other side the kid's neighbor returns and like uh, she comes back to her parents and she is a i guess girl that's a friend of the kids and she's actually um one of the people that she's like a test pilot and she's the one test piloting the gundam and she's like yeah i'm just back here uh for a special like operation and after that i'll probably be shipped out to like another location again but for now they're having me like check out something top secret and stuff and they're they're, he's like oh that sounds so cool and like it's crazy because that the pilot the the zaku pilot he meets actually meets the the Gundam pilot and they start, you know, making friends and they're like, Oh, Hey, how's it going? <laughs> what's, what's going on? And, you know, neither knows that either are with the Federation or with the, uh, or I think he might know that she's with the Federation, but she doesn't know that he's, uh, part of the, uh, Xeon, of course. Otherwise, you know, there'd be a lot of issues. And eventually like they try to do their mission and all the Xeon dudes end up dying and you actually feel bad to you. are like, Oh shit except the last pilot that's like friends with the kid and the kid's going through all this with the guy trying to help him out. And he's like, Oh my God, everyone's dead. We can still finish this mission. And the kid's still trying to help the Zeon because he thinks they're cool. And he thinks he's doing a good thing or something. And they go into the last fight and the Zeon guy's like, I'm going to do my best in my Zaku to uh, take out this Gundam or die trying. And the girl is the pilot of the Gundam and he doesn't know that it's her the whole time and they both fight each other pretty much to a full standstill but she ends up killing him and in the process though gets brutally injured herself and the kid's watching the whole thing she sees the guy die and she sees that it's his neighbor one of his like older friends like that pretty much helped babysit him and kind of like helped raise him a bit besides his own parents and sees her and is just like oh my god I didn't know that was you. And it's just horrified. And uh, Damn. the whole time, like, the kids are all having a good time a little bit because, you know, they're, they, they're like, oh, fuck, there's two Gundams fighting outside our school. No school. And, <laughs> and then the school gets destroyed. And they're like, no school. And, like, uh, at the end, I think there's a whole thing where the kids are like, oh, check out this cool thing. And they're like, yeah, you know, something about the war and uh here's some cool stuff and we're like we know you love this stuff the most and the kid starts crying in the middle of the class and they're like oh come on man it's okay blah blah and they don't realize that he literally watched an entire like war play out just in front of him yeah and so he's fully desensitized and horrified because like you know the the girl was brutally injured but she's like okay but like the guy he all of a sudden was like a full role model to him just fucking killed himself in a fight and it's just really good it's very very um realistic i would say it just it it's very down to earth it's very grounded like there's no special uh there's no like new types or anything it's just fully within this realm and it's only like like i said it's like six or eight episodes and they're not like hour long they're like 30 minutes still and it just does a really good job of getting a clear run through it's a very small limited series but I would definitely suggest, like, if people don't want to get invested into that full, like, the previous shows I watched because they're really long, or maybe they just want to watch those the the compilation movies to shorten it and make it, like, four and a half hours instead of, like, I don't know, like, 20 or something, uh, you could definitely just watch this and have a good time within, like, a few hours, and you're like, cool, I watched this whole series, 
and you know it's highly enjoyable uh, but that would be yeah war in the pocket highly highly recommended honestly every every gun that i watch is highly recommended <laughs> so far well, there's got to be a reason uh, next... why the series is going on for like literally decades in different forms. Yeah, and I'm I'm like I said I'm sticking just with the Universal Century, which is like this whole specific universe. I know there's like other ones with different universes and plots. Like I think it's like G Gundam, Gundam Wing, uh, Gundam Seed, and stuff. Like I don't know any of those. I don't plan on watching them probably. I'm just kind of sticking to this universe. But mm. it's so cool because it's all it's either they're progressing the story with like certain characters that relate to previous shows or they do spin-offs that are around the same time of one of the wars during one of the series and you're seeing just a different perspective or a different location of the war and that's been really cool with it and my goal my overall goal is to get to where it would be for what if it was i was a kid because i slept on Gundam as a kid but if i was a kid james uh at least on like toonami and cartoon network they had, I think it was Molesuit Gundam 8th MS team. And that was supposed to be our Gundam of our generation, or at least of our age. Uh, it was the one we would have growing up. And it's like this cool Vietnam style one. It's straight up like Vietnam Gundam. And it's like actually on Earth and stuff. And that's like the 90s one. So I'm really itching. To, that's where my goal is to get to. And once I get there, I'm just going to be in complete bliss of like, I made it. I made it to the promised land. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, of course, I still got those Thursday Night Monster movies, man. And next one up is Godzilla vs. Hydra. Now, uh, of course, this one, James, you remember this one, right? The Smog Monster? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so the the American version is called Smog Monster. Japanese one is uh, Hydra. But it's like, dude, Godzilla versus It's like Godzilla fights for environmentalism because it's straight up a polluting monster. Like, it's a monster made out of pollution. Uh, or if I remember correctly, actually, it's an alien. Uh, it's like an alien that came down and fed off the pollution or something. It was like one of those two, because it starts off as a tadpole and it's like a frog-like, uh, specimen. And overall, like, it's really cool because this movie, James, is the one where the monster evolves over time. And, you know, normally you get this one suit monster that Godzilla fights and that's about it. This one, it starts off as like this small little tadpole grows into a larger tadpole that like kind of poisons people underwater and then eventually learns how to fly. And when it flies over people, like there's some crazy shit because it's like you could either laugh because it's kind of wacky, but also you're horrified because it's actually really fucked up. But when it flies over, it like poisons people as it flies over. So you see people falling over and just like groaning and freaking out and stuff. And they're just like, oh God, what's happening to me? One dude is working on a power line. Hydra flies over him, and it's like, when it flies, after being a tadpole, it's like a saucer. So it's like a flying saucer with two big eyes on it. And when it flies over this dude, this dude falls, and you see, you hear him scream, and he's like, ah! And you look down where he fell, and there's just bones in, a, in clothing. Oh my like, God. Like, he it fucking turned into a skeleton. And, like, part of you's like, <laughs> what the fuck? And the other part of you's like, oh, Jesus Christ! Like, oh my God, that's, that's insane. And it's... One of my more favored, like, easily, probably, I think, honestly, one of my top three, uh, top five, well, I'd say top five, I'm not sure where it is in my top five of the Showa era, you know, like, those pretty much, like, 50s to 70s movies, and it's really cool because it is, like, this pollutant, it's, like, against pollution, it's against, like, uh, all that kind of stuff we're dealing with today, so it's, like, that perfect 
environmentalism movie you'd kind of want where you see Godzilla fighting a polluting monster and Godzilla can't even beat him on his own. Like this monster at one point, like tries to fight, it fights Godzilla and Godzilla is just like unable to kind of fight him. Like he tries to beat him at one point, but he flies away. He's just like, ah, I'll just see you later and I'll come back to you again. And Hydra keeps evolving to the point where he's like a massive, just like mucky thing. And it's taller than Godzilla. And he can actually shoot like burning chemicals at Godzilla to the point where he actually like literally shoots Godzilla in the eye. And Godzilla's like, I actually can't see anymore. And he only has one eye after that. Like straight up like Godzilla only has, I don't think his eyes gone completely, but you're just like, it's incapacitated to the point where now Godzilla is fighting with one eye and that's about it. But like, it's really uncomfortable at certain points because you see like Godzilla get buried in like sludge. And I don't know why as a kid, even as an adult, I just feel really uncomfortable by it. I'm like, oh, I don't like, I don't like this. And uh, honestly, it's probably one of my most uncomfortable moments watching any Godzilla movie is probably that. That and like watching Rodan die, like every single movie. But uh, the cool thing here is this is like the one movie where humans and Godzilla team up because you have the military using the scientists' um, technology to create these heat beams. They have like these heat mirrors that will uh, siphon out electricity from the power lines and the heat is supposed to kill the smog monster. And they end up... Uh, breaking they're like they're too powerful so they break the power lines and like you know destroy the, the power and what Godzilla ends up doing is utilizing his atomic blast to heat and power the mirrors to oh. create the rays to destroy the smog monster All right. interesting I forgot that's how and, that happened how oh yeah and the crazy it. part the crazy part too is this is the only one where like uh, you see Godzilla burning it and like you think it's like a charred thing and it breaks out of its own shell like it's like it's just a charred thing and it's like, oh, I'm still alive. I just still have extra skin or like I have thicker skin and layers and stuff. So I'm leaving again and Godzilla has to like kill him again. But uh, when he does, he actually digs through him and pulls out eggs at one point. And you're just like, oh, Jesus, uh, there could have been more. And he, he straight up takes the eggs and goes to the mirror, walks into it and just fries them in his hands. Oh, my God. <laughs> and just cooks the eggs. It's really badass. And also, this is the big movie, James, where Godzilla, where Hyder is escaping, Godzilla pulls up his tail and holds it like this, and imagine like he's just strapping his arms around his tail, right. and holds it to his chest, and he blows his atomic blast at the ground, and starts flying into the air, and using the that. atomic blast to propel himself, flying backwards, not even looking, and basically hits the Sawag monster out of the air, and that's how he catches up to him. And there's like a great theme when it happens. It's like it's like it's fantastic. But yeah, it great movie. Definitely check it out because it's got really cool monster aesthetics. It's also got these awesome little animations where they talk about the evolution of the smog monster. And they're not anything you've seen in any other Godzilla movie and actually any Godzilla movie to date. So it's got a very unique like little like cool subset of animations within the movie that are kind of fun to watch to be honest but yeah that's a uh, godzilla versus the smog monster definitely go check it out uh back to gundam james this one is uh this one's a little different so i watched the next gundam in the storyline was uh mobile suit Gu or in the timeline i guess mobile suit gundam f91 and this is a cool one this is like the future uh this is like post everything else 
and it's a movie. So you've got uh, a city, a planet that's doing its own thing. And this group of people that aren't even Xeon, they're like a family that are starting their own movement. They're like a new Xeon practically, but just not in name. They're like their own thing are trying to invade and i'm trying to remember everything about this one because it's it's both the most it's really cool but also the most disappointing i've seen so far uh they introduce like this whole crew of people that are dealing with an attack where you have the federation type forces and you have the xeon type forces i guess that's the best way to describe it because i can't remember their names and the xeon are attacking and they're basically making a fucking shitstorm out of the federation guys and the the crazy thing is, like, you see all these different kids or, like, young adults and stuff, young adults and kids who are all over the place and they all know each other and they're all, like, in the same area and they're like, oh, my God, you see what's happening? Oh, my God. And some are trying to get the fuck out and others are, like, they're, they're trying to help the military forces who are losing badly. And there's, like, a cool museum where these guys are, like, at a, a, a mobile suit museum and they're like, we got to get these guys up and running and they're trying to like get a tank going and the kids just run in there and start helping them. They're like, come on, fight for your country. And you see them just jumping on this old ass piece of tech trying to fight uh, like basically whatever the Zakus are now. And and they were functional? Kind of. It, it's like they... Uh, eh, no, shut up. <laughs> uh, it's like a... We don't talk about that. We don't talk about that yet. We talk. Uh, the main character is dad's like one of the scientists. Like it's like every every show for Gundam, one of the characters is related to one of the dudes that is like behind the creation of something or like his mom's the creation of something. And in this one, if I remember correctly, the dad is like part of the space group uh, that are like creating the, sh- the helping like man the ships and stuff. But he ends up getting left behind because they need to evacuate everyone and they get everyone on the ship and all the kids, uh, all the adults. And uh, one of the girls, it turns out, is actually the heiress to, like, the enemy. She's, like, going to be the future empress, technically. And they, they're, like, the they're trying to just get her. They're, like, oh, we want her. She's, like, our target because we need to bring her back and have her... Uh, have her rejoin to run this empire, basically, once Sounds the grandfather like dude does. A little, kind of, it's, uni- but much different where Unicorn, like, um, Maneva Zabi is, like, the last one. Right. This one is, like, there's a full family line here, right. and she's just the one they want there. Oh. And, like, there's still, like, the father, the grandfather, and the siblings and stuff, the mother. I think the mother's still there. Yeah. And so there's, like, all these different characters. There's all these interpol. It gets very political. Like... For her family, you see what she's having to do. You see what her grandfather wants to do. You see what the father wants to do and how his stuff is different from the rest of their people. And what the mother... Like, it's so political that there's a lot of infighting and espionage there that you don't even... You're trying to figure out. And then, like, you still have your main, like, military leaders on both sides that you're kind of, like, figuring out and learning more about. And you're seeing, like, people turn coat on each side kind of a little bit. And it also results in some interesting, let's say some interesting deaths, but this is all movie length and it ends on a big cliffhanger. Like nothing gets resolved whatsoever. Uh, There's a lot going on where 
you're like, okay, she's kind of be like Empress soon or something, but she's still like has feelings and is like very much close to the main protagonist who's on the other side. And he's becoming a Gundam pilot pretty much at this point. Like, of course, you know, like every main character in all these movies or shows for the most part are normally Gundam pilots unless it's like a more down to earth one. But it ends with a big cliffhanger and it feels so stressed because it does feel like, um, I don't know if you've ever watched any of the compilation movies from Gundam, but what they do with those is they're not anything new. What they'll do is take footage from all of the shows and just kind of cut them together. So like the more important parts and pieces. And it's not like the mole. It's just like kind of taking off all of the depth, all of the the adventures and everything else and putting it only the things that matter to the overall plot that's been going on. So instead of watching, what is it like 50 something episodes of Mobile Suit Gundam, you're watching three one and a half hour movies that probably put together like four episodes each maybe. Oh, okay. And they just cut those all together into movies and try to make that last. And this feels like that where you're watching it and you're like, holy shit, where is the show that kind of draws all this stuff out? Because it's doing that full, it's doing that thing where it jumps through the timeline. Where like, if you're watching the compilation movie, uh, you're watching, since it's different scenes of the different episodes of shows, you know, there's time jumps and there's no like, explanation for it you're just like in another time now because you're like oh well i mean in the show there's like five or eight episodes in between these two scenes you're just not seeing it you're just jumping out of this scene and yeah that's how the compilation movies work like i said there's like only portions of episodes that are even in them and uh they just go from whatever to whatever and this feels like that you're like wait what the fuck happened from here to here like there's such a massive time jump i don't know what's happening and it turned out it was supposed i think if i'm correctly like i read everything about this there was never a sequel movie to this they never address what happens after and what sucked was i'll put it this way james it's disappointing because it feels so fast-paced there's no depth to it like they don't get anything in and you could tell their shit there was supposed to be a show that explains all of it But instead, they said, we'll go with a set of movies instead of even bothering with the show. Mm. But then they only did the first movie. Oh. So it just ends there abruptly. And the crazy part here, too, is it's really good. There's so much promise. And because I'll put it this way, too. Like, I love the old mobile suit stuff because, you know, it's like the origin. And I mean, it's like the original stuff. And it's really cool. But it's aged, you know, like the dialogue for an 80s and 70s show. You're just kind of like. You're laughing half the time, especially if you're watching in English, then you're really laughing because it's like, hey, Camille, and you're just like, fucking, shut the fuck up. But this one, it's like a lot more serious. It's like later in the 80s. It's like either late 80s or early 90s at this point. Like we're in this era at that point. And it's so good. Like the animation's amazing. You could tell like, it's like, oh, we're going to get that kind of story. But now it's a little bit more modernized, at least in this decade. And it's going to be really fucking cool but it never happens and it's so disappointing. I would definitely suggest that people want to, this one you shouldn't watch unless you really just want to kind of go through a bunch of different Gundams. But I I would say if you really want really like really cool quality, check out F91. But the issue once again though, is you're going to come out of it really disappointed because you're like, that felt really rushed. And also I want more and there is nothing else. So it's like, I can't recommend it because then you're just going to be disappointed after watching it. You're going to be happy, but disappointed. And I don't want to, I don't want to give that to people. So 
Man, I, honestly, once I finish, James, once I get through all the Gundam shit, I honestly, of all the shows, I'm probably going to come back and watch this movie again because I want to learn more about what exactly happened. Like, I want to dig into it mm. because it's that interesting to me. All right. Interesting. Yeah. All right. And dude, last two, last two Halloween movies and we're out of October for me, <laughs> at least for movies. Uh, you remember this one? I watched again, uh, Hausu. The Japanese horror movie with the house, with you the cat. You might have mentioned this to me, but I'm not blanking it right now. We we watched it at the Balboa Theater. Um, it's the one where those uh, it's a group of Japanese school schoolgirls go to like her her aunt or mother in law. Oh, yeah. It's like, and each we... girl is like a uh, a different genre type or whatever, or a different personality, and that's their yeah. name. So like you have uh, beauty, you have the professor because she's the smart one. You have Kung Fu because she's like the athletic girl. I can about this. Yeah, it's all these different <laughs> girls. And dude, this, I forgot how great this movie is. Like, um, for those that haven't watched it, you totally should, of course, watch it, put on subtitles. It's a live action Japanese horror film where these girls go to this house and the house is like haunted by the spirit of this girl's mother, if I remember correctly. And she is pretty much like eating, the house is eating the girls one by one. And each girl has their own trope. Like, the girl is named after a trope. Like I said, the action girl is Kung Fu. The main girl, I think, is Beauty. And then there's, like, uh, Sleepy or something. I think there's a Sleepy one. There's a girl that's straight up there. It's so bad, dude. It's, like, the girl that's a little bit more heavy set. Uh, she eats a lot, so they call her Mac, like Big Mac. Because she's like, oh, I can't wait to eat these watermelons. <laughs> um, the they're, I forget all of their names, but... Each one, like, it's like a whole one by one, they uh, get eliminated. And some put up good fights and try to use their tropes to their advantage. But it's just a lot of crazy stuff. Because it's really, it, it it's not a clear movie. Like, you get really confused and you're just like, what the hell is going on? There's parts that don't make any sense. Like, there's a girl playing on a piano and the cat's going along with it. Like, meowing to the tune of the piano where it's like, meow, 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 meow. And the cat, it's like showing the cat walking. And then the cat, it's like cuts Bing back here again to the original spot where it was at. And it's like going back and forth. And you're like, there's like a weird piano song playing. The cat's fucking wigging out on me. I don't know what's going on here. This girl's getting eaten by blankets and she disappears. And like, uh, it's fucking insane. But it's like a combo of like interesting horror. It's funny at this point now. Like it's actually pretty, I think we were cracking up a bit. It's hilarious, like, there's some weird shit, but it's also, like, kind of just, it's, like, creepy, too. It's, like, a combo of things, where I think at the time, it was probably more horrifying than funny, but now it's, like, still horrifying, but we're laughing, too. (laughs) So Man, it's really weird that I, like, I kind of remember, like, the character named Beauty, and I kind of remember, like, they had funny, weird names and stuff, but, yeah, it's weird that I'm forgetting, like, most of this movie. Well, James, you could watch it at any time. Do you know why? Is it on HBO Max? It's on HBO Max. How'd you know? Oh, well, uh, I was going to say Disney Plus, but you know, it's because uh, imagine Max that on Disney like Plus. all the movies, basically well, not all of them, but it has a, a quite a huge selection of movies. I think it counts as like one of the Turner classic movies or like, cause Turner, it's weird. The TCM Turner classic also encompasses Toho movies, which is why like the Godzilla uh, Showa era criterion okay. collection is there. So it's that under sense. that area. So it's like, but yeah, yeah. So it's, I don't think it's going anywhere. You can definitely, go watch that but highly recommend that to anyone especially if they have hbo max go watch house uh it's so weird definitely get a drink beforehand but it's a good time watch with some friends 
you'll have a good laugh, but also it's really, it's really interesting. It's like, it's actually a really cool film to watch because of how they created it. And you don't get a film like that often. Like it's very, really cool and unique. I would say for the most part. And last of my five movies and last uh, Halloween one, dude, trick or treat. Did you ever watch this? I don't think so. Sounds familiar though. This is an amazing movie. It's like a Halloween anthology, but all these anthology stories are all happening in the same town at the same time. And you get them all kind of like, it's just, it's definitely different time lapses where you see like one thing happening with characters and you actually see characters that sort of interact with them. And then you see those characters in a story right after. And it's weird because like some characters die, some do some crazy shit. And you're seeing like dead characters alive again, but you're like, oh, this is a past sequence because now you're in a new story from a different perspective and seeing what they're doing in the town. And James, do you know who the director of this is? Mike Doherty, the man who directed Krampus and Godzilla King of Monsters. Oh, yeah. That's how I, rem- I remember that name. Yeah. So when we met him, I was like, oh, because that's how I remember when they did, when they first said he's directing Godzilla King of Monsters. I'm like, they got the trick or treat director to do. Go- they, they said like this dude like did a monster anthology thing where it's like all these people like there's no like non-human monsters. Like there's some, I don't want to spoil it too much because honestly there's some really good uh there's some really good twists that happen and you're just like oh shit that's crazy and it's really i would highly guys anyone that wants a halloween movie this is honestly like one of those de facto movies where james you know how like christmas movies have traditional movies you watch every year like it's great christmas story national lampoons christmas vacation home alone and stuff and elf this is that for halloween I would highly recommend you watch this movie on Halloween because I feel like if I think if you if it does what it should for you, uh, you'd want to watch this every year on every October at, at the very least every October, if not Halloween and stuff. But mm. it's so good. It's like like I said, it's anthology and it's done really well, but it's all in the same town. You have the same characters for the most part, uh, just intertwining slightly or appearing in the background of another character's story. And it's all done well to the point where, like, I honestly don't think you get confused by it. Like, they do it really well to the point that you know exactly what's going on and you're not necessarily asking any questions. And they do a whole thing where they create the uh, the legends and traditions of Halloween in it, where they're like, oh, don't you know you're not supposed to blow out the candles of a jack-o'-lantern before Halloween ends? That's bad luck. Things could, you know, bad things can happen to you. Or, you know, you're supposed to give out candy and... Uh, you know, you're not just to smash pumpkins and there's all these different things and you see people break. There's like, it's like it creates the rules of Halloween and you see what happens when you break those rules. Interesting. And it's really cool. It's, it's really cool, James. Like I, you straight up got to watch it next. Uh, oh shit. Is it going to be October again already? Let's see. It's February. So we got what? Eight months. Yeah. I'll, I'll uh, try to make a note of that. Is it already eight months? Oh God. <laughs> it's happening again. The time, James. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, definitely, definitely take a look at it. And yeah, I don't, it's like, guys, I don't want to talk about it too much because I, that's how badly I want people to watch this without getting spoiled. It's like, it's like when you watch, have people watch from dusk till dawn, you don't want them to know what happens in from dusk till dawn until they watch it and you get to watch their reactions. It's one of those movies. Yeah. That movie definitely has a turn at some point. Oh my God. It's so fucking good. All right. Uh, those are my favorite movies, and I'm officially out of October for movies and TV shows. Up to you, James. Or back to you, James. Okay. Uh, what do I want to... Where did my list go? There we go. 
Um, you know what? I'm going to get one of the HBO Max shows out of my way. Uh, I watched the first season of Raised by Wolves because, you know, before I even had HBO Max, uh, they put like the first trailer out on uh, YouTube or not trailer, the first movie on YouTube. Um, mm-hmm. Not movie. First episode. Oh, my God. What was wrong with me? Uh, and it had a lot of interesting aspects to it. Like, um, the setup is that like, there seems to have been some sort of literally like a holy war between like the religious people of earth and the atheists. And it led to basically the fall of all mankind. And the, the show focuses on like a pair of androids that were tasked by someone to basically restart humanity on another planet. And it's got a, a lot of really weird things. Like the, the, the female Android is just called mother. The, the male Android is just called father. And, you know, like they seem to be advanced enough that they're aware that they're robots. They're, they're aware that they, have pre-programmed things to do and stuff like that, but they could also act like individual beings, I guess. Like one of father's subroutines is to just like think up new jokes to entertain the kids and stuff like that. And just like by the time the first episode really like gets going, it's been, you know, maybe like a dozen years of the uh, mother and father trying to start humanity on this planet. And they started with like six children and like all of them have died except for one and then all of a sudden like another human ship shows up and it's like a giant arc ship and it's full of believers and like literally the first thing they do when they find uh mother and father's settlement is just like hello what faith do you follow or whatever it's just like uh we don't follow any faiths here can you please leave our home and shit goes crazy Somehow you find out that Mother is, like, a special kind of android that was literally... She was apparently created by the religious people. And she is called a necromancer, which is kind of stupid because necromancy is, like, bringing the dead back to life. But her deal is literally just killing people. Like, there's this epic moment in the first episode where she's just, like, walking through the, uh, the human ship. And just, like, murdering everyone in front of her by just, like, screaming at them. And then they just, like, pop into blood. Oh, what? It's horrifying. But also, like, that's what really made me go, like, I want to know more about this show. Because this is some interesting, weird shit. Um, So she's, like, Silver Banshee. Kind of like Or, like, Black Canary, Silver Banshee. Especially, like, the weirdest thing is when she goes full-on necromancer. She, like, straight up, like, she puts her arms out and flies in, like, T-pose. And she turns all, like, she looks like a bronze statue. It's really interesting and weird. Like, there, I think this show is done by, like, um, Scott, um, oh, God. Uh, who did the Aliens movies? Ridley Scott. Uh, Ridley Scott, yeah. yeah. Well, he did the first one, and then he did the shitty ones later. Yeah, so this show has a lot of visually interesting things. Um, I... I'm not a huge, like, the show kind of lost me towards the end of the season because it gets into some weird shit. Like, 
the mother starts to go into her own memories and she like falls in love with her creator and somehow has like an immaculate conception which is impossible because she's a robot and like oh god it's so weird because like i don't know if i want to get into like super spoilery territory because i don't know if you want to watch it or if anyone listening to this wants to watch it at some point because it's it's pretty new and i i am sure that there's going to be a a second season i I guess because they definitely left it up on a cliffhanger of like what is mother's child because like it she does give birth to something but it's definitely not like it doesn't look human and it doesn't look like her and it's just like what the fuck even just happened uh they also set up some weird shit with like the the survivors of the ship that she destroyed like are still trying to you know kill her and take their children back because she stole their children uh and it's, it's basically her her whole plan initially is to create a atheist humanity because her creator believed that belief was what like led to the end of humanity because we believed more in like you know false gods than in science so he's like well if i just like create a humanity that is that literally was never raised to believe in in uh religion and they only know science maybe we can restart somewhere and have things work but then the rest of the season but it was a religious dude that does this he was apparently he was part of the religious group but he like defected at some point and he literally had to like oh. capture mother as a necromancer and reprogram her and i i don't know why he would have chosen like a literal murder robot for like mother duties you seem good for this yeah i think it was just like hey she could protect whatever the uh like she could protect these children from whatever comes from, uh, at them so i guess maybe that was his point but i don't mm-hmm. know it's one of those things where, like, this show has a lot of interesting themes, but by the end of the first season, I was like, that went a little overboard for me. Like, you you leaned really heavily into, like, the religious aspects, and there was one weird thing where they, they definitely initially want the religious people to be the bad guys, because they're like, you destroyed humanity, like, you, you basically didn't follow science, so Earth became uninhabitable, uh, and that's why this, this even happened. But then at some point you get to see the atheists and they're just also just straight up bad guys. Like the one of the main. So everyone's people. Yeah. Like basically it's like everyone's bad except for the androids. And it's really weird. Like the, the first time you see the uh, atheists training for like battle, they're literally like training children. And it's just like fucking stupid because they're just in some back alley in some city somewhere and there's just straight up chanting war 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 and i'm just like this is fucking stupid like you want i thought you wanted the atheists to be the good guys but you're not making them look good at all so i really don't know who to root for anymore and i guess i mean is the show itself good like is the show itself like do you see do you think like the story itself and the writing here is done well or? it's definitely worth a watch i i was entertained the whole time it's just one of those things where they they left it on a lot of cliffhangers and i'm just like man that's some weird shit but i kind of want to see where it goes i guess okay yeah 
Um, sure. I think that's all I really got uh, to say about it, in, unless I want to get into like super spoilery stuff. Although I kind of already spoiled a few things, like the immaculate birth thing. But <laughs> it, it, I don't know. It, I'm basically just gonna keep repeating myself at this point. It's interesting, but really weird and kind of hard to follow at times. Okay. The, gotcha, there's gotcha. also another I... mystery that they introduce where it's like humanity may have been on this planet before but i don't understand how and it's really weird oh that sounds also, like maybe, something like, else i watched there's also another thing where like at at one point the survivors of the ship crash come across like this weird like polygonal structure in the um in like the desert somewhere and they're like hey this thing has five sides just like our religion you know says is like an important number or whatever and basically long story short their religion might be right like there's straight up shit like we're like either the planet or like their god is literally talking to at least one of the characters and it's really fucking weird and i don't know what's happening so i'll definitely watch season two when it comes out if they actually continue to sh- or decide to continue the show because i, I want to see how they explain all these things and where it goes but it's definitely it very out there with some of its themes okay hmm hmm interesting i'm, I'm maybe one day i don't know yeah. you're you know i'm gonna sell the point in like my cues are fat enough right now i don't i don't know if i'll yeah. add it at this moment but maybe in the future one day all right uh my next five let's see dude god remember godzilla versus gigan yeah uh, watching that one again, and I didn't. So that was honestly for a long time my favorite Showa era Godzilla movie because you got it's the tag team movie. It's Godzilla and Angiris versus Gigan and Ghidorah, and there's like Godzilla Land. Remember that like giant Godzilla statue that's there, and they fight like around it, and there's aliens that are cockroach people and stuff. Kinda? Yeah, it's like it's a very crazy movie with all this kind of stuff like it, it, that you see that it, these dudes are just look like humans and you see their shadows and it's cockroach shadows and you're just like, oh, my God. And it, it's a really fun movie because the characters, it's like half of them are these like hippies and the other half, like you could tell what era it's in for um, it's like what late 60s, early 70s at this point for the movies. But I think it's 70s at this point, I want to say. And uh it it's really really fun because it has some it has a really cool godzilla song at the end and it's really catchy it's got godzilla and anguirus it's the only movie where they talk where i remember that yeah it does a thing where it goes like uh it sounds like a radio thing where it's like and depending on uh what language it is like if it's uh if it's uh the american dub it's like Hey, Anguirus, what is it, Godzilla? Go oh, see what's yeah. going on over there. Okay. And you're, and then, you know, they do it instead like they do in Japanese. And I'm, I can't really speak Japanese, so I can't really imitate that one. So I won't. Uh, but you, you get the gist of what I'm saying here. And I really love this movie, but it did bring some attention to me. It uh, brings some attention that I didn't notice before. It's like the same thing that they do in uh godzilla's revenge which the movie i really despise but 
they use stock they reuse footage in this one i didn't realize that in this one when like god specifically when godzilla or Anguirus are fighting Ghidorah, they use they reuse a lot of the uh destroy all monsters footage from when they fought in those movies and it's the same exact uh oh. it's the same exact thing like they just cut it and put it in there and you yeah first you don't notice but then you realize it because you know why james they're fighting at Cause... night and the godzilla the destroy all monsters scenes are in the day <laughs> it just goes what? to How daytime and you're like they just cut it in they just put it in and you're just like wait what and I never noticed as a kid, and someone totally said that and, like, took me out of it. And I was like, dude, that was my favorite one. Why'd you fucking do that to me? I can't <laughs> believe that. And it just kind of shattered it for me a bit. Like, I- I'm just sad that they did that kind of thing. Um, that I-, I get why you do it for Godzilla's Revenge, because that's, like, a full-on bowling PSA. There's a kid that's there, and then you talks, and you hate everything, and you get really drunk watching it. But for this one, you know, it's like... This is one of the awesome ones. You get Gigan in it, and Gigan's like one of the best monsters. Like he is probably my favorite. Gigan is probably my favorite Showa era monster. Uh, Hedora, the Smog Monster, probably be my second favorite, and then like Mechagodzilla being the third. Actually, it's like I treat Ghidorah kind of like Joker, where I get why he's everyone's favorite villain, but I don't kind of. I don't. It's not that he's because he's mainstream. I don't care. It's just like I'm like ah, oh, but there's so much more. People just need to go deeper and just not look at the surface there yeah i think Gigan and, might be one of my favorite uh monster enemies too just because like his buzzsaw chest was always so interesting to me and he's got like th- not really wings but like three dorsal fins and like yeah. the, the one red eye is actually really cool in my opinion and the dorsal fins allow him to fly and he's got like still like hook hands and shit like that if you ever look up like if you're not gonna watch this movie just look up the design for Gigan, like straight up g-i-g-a-n he is so fucking cool and like they describe him i think as like uh in the comics for idw at one point they're describing all these monsters and they're like an abomination from space and you're just like oh my god sounds so fucking cool and uh because it's supposed to be like i guess he was another monster before but you can tell like there's some cybernetics in him he's like a cyborg monster and you don't really think about that and it's from space a cyborg space monster and you're just like dude that's some fucking sci-fi shit right there and the movie has some crazy blood points in it because, you know, buzzsaw chests. So you can imagine what happens to monster skin when it comes into contact. But overall, it's really great. I just, James, it's because now that I see that reused footage, I'm like, is that enough for it to make it not my favorite anymore for the show era? It's hard to say. It's really hard to say. I think I still prefer it, but um, it, it definitely does take me out of it a bit. Mm. Um... Next up, though, Atragon. So this is one of those kaiju one-shots where it's like one of the one of those earlier ones, and it covers Manda, which was, remember that kind of dragon snake-looking monster in Destroy All Monsters? He's also in Final Wars. Kinda. They, like, I guess in Final Wars, they find him, they're like, ah, oh, that stupid dragon, and it's like a giant snake-like serpent dragon that's, like, flying at them and shit. Uh, this, mo- this movie has that, but it's like a, it's it does that Atlantis thing. Where there's people above ground and the people below in the sea are like, oh, you've been destroying shit, so we're going to kill you. And the whole thing is kind of like the battle between the Atlantis sea people and the people from the surface. And there's got a lot of interesting stuff in it. Like they always, they almost feel like aliens, but then it's like, oh, I'm just from the, I'm just from underwater. And they have Manda, who's like their mythic sea dragon. 
and they use him to like attack the the ships down there that are like trying to invade. Overall, though, ironically, like these these massive Amer- these ma- not American but like human ships that are going deep. Like I think the ship is called Atragon, if I remember correctly. It's like this high tech like it feels like a castle ship practically. It's like really really powerful. They're able to like I think freeze and destroy Amanda, but. Uh, there's like underwater royalty and shit and at one point they're like hey we destroyed your city underwater but we have their royalty like we stole their queen and they straight up just go like she's like no I can't believe this and she jumps back into the water to go like into the ruins or like the destruction of her city to go die with their city and they're like she couldn't stay with the thing but also she was gonna kill us all so we don't feel bad for her (laughs) and (laughs) it's like this whole thing that's going on and I would say it's one of the more middle tier, I guess, uh, one shot movies. Because I'd say the high tier for sure, James, is Rodan and Mothra. Like, those are by far, like, amazing movies. Also, uh, honestly, War of the the Gargantuas and Frankenstein Conquers the World are also really good. On the low tier, you have, like, Varen the Unbelievable and... uh, I would say the Mysterions, specifically the Varian is just like, ugh, it's horrible. But this is, I would say in the middle, like, it could be better. It's definitely not as good as, like, Rodan and Gargantua's, but it's at least you're more entertained than you were with those two other movies, like Mysterions and Varian. Like, you'd at least have a a better time with those ones specifically. For sure. Uh, nothing else to say for that one. Like, you could watch it if, if you want to get more, if you're, like, not satisfied with just Godzilla and you want to see some one-shots, definitely still watch, like, Rodan, Mothra, Frankenstein, and the Gargantuas first. But if you still want stuff, watch this one and definitely watch it instead of Baron. Like, that's all I can say is watch this instead of Baron. Watch anything instead of Baron the Unbelievable because that movie still just makes me angry. Uh, another Godzilla movie. <laughs> Godzilla vs. Megalon. So this is probably, like, the one that always vies against Godzilla versus Gigan is my favorite dude. Remember, this is the one with uh, Megalon, Gigan, Jet Jaguar, uh, or yeah. Jet Jaguar. I love yeah, this like one. Yeah, like he's Jet Jaguar. Like they have different names depending on how you're listening, what dub, and like if it's in Japanese or not. Like the way they say his name. But this one also is underwater, James. It has Seatopia, and they're like, it's so uh, the surface is fucked with us long enough. We're gonna cause earthquakes and send up Megalon, who's a giant beetle monster yeah. with drill hands. Dude, I love their way to summon him. It's like Megalon, Megalon. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, I forget who the actor's name is, but it's some famous like American actor. I just don't know who it is, but they got him for this movie. And they're like, quick, dress up in a toga and act like you're the king of the underwater world, like the underground world, Zootopia. Uh, and the crazy thing about this movie is the, the, the whole surface plot where there's these Seatopia agents who's like, Hey, this guy's building like a robot called jet Jaguar. And we have to, uh, take, we have to capture Like we have to capture and take control of this robot. And it's like repeated fights where they keep fighting each other. Like they keep breaking into the house, like multiple times. And dude, the like, kid gets like sucker punched. That was fucking hilarious. Dude, they beat the shit. There's like, all right, so it's one dude. <laughs> I think it's either his son or his little brother, and then his best friend. And they like first discover the house, and these dudes are in there, and they're like, "Oh, we're gonna fight you now." And the whole thing is like, you know, there's these Seatopia deadly agents, and it's two dudes that are like 
just dressed up hella nifty for the 70s. And, you know, they're doing their best, but they're not really, really good at fighting deadly agents. And then there's a kid, and the kid's like, I'm gonna... They don't stop the kid from fighting. The kid's like, I'm gonna fight too. And they're like, we don't care if you're a kid. And they just, yeah, they beat the shit out of him. They beat the... <laughs> they yeah, beat I, forget, the I think they, like, punch him in the gut or something, and the kid just goes down. And I'm just like, oh my god. <laughs> yeah, and, uh... They Jet Jaguar is like this human-sized robot who just looks really cool. And What's at one point, I think they just like... have a move, and he like headbutts a guy. At one point, he just goes like, and then just bah. What's just so right in the funny stomach. to me is that, like the guy didn't build Jet Jaguar to fight Megalon. He just like, was already doing that. <laughs> yeah, he's just like, I'm building a robot. Oh shit, a fucking monster! And then Jet Jaguar is like, I'm gonna go do stuff because the whole thing is. Uh, it's just a regular sized robot, and then once the enemy gets a hold of him, they use him as a beacon. They're like, oh, Jet Jaguar will lead Megalon to the destination right. he needs to go to to destroy. And once they gain control of uh, Jet Jaguar, they like have him not, they're like, oh, let's, we can't use, we let's not have him be used against uh, Megalon, or let's go have him get Godzilla. And in this too, it's interesting because they use stock, they use footage again. From Destroy All Monsters. Huh. But they use different footage this time. Instead of like the monsters fighting Ghidorah. When they do the giant earthquake thing. They do Monster Island and it's affected by the oh, earthquake. Yeah. So you see like Rodan and uh, Angerus get like fall and shit. And you see Angerus fall into the earth. Which then leads into Godzilla versus Mechagodzilla. Oh, if you remember that. Oh that's neat. Yeah so. Uh, you know he gets Godzilla and. Jaguar, they're like, oh, come back, Jaguar, and he stops listening to like their commands, and then he's like, ah, enlarge, and he like grows to the size of a monster. Yeah, it, this creator's just like, did you know he could do that? Like, no, he must have figured out a way to program himself to do that, to fix this, to do this task. It's like, what? <laughs> yeah, he just, you know, he fucking made himself giant. It's 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 in his programming. It's like, I, James, it's like, I could do that too. <laughs> Did you do it? Nah, I think I shit myself, man. Uh, but I think I came close. But it's yeah. like, uh, you know, he fights Megalon. Uh, then they're like, he's losing. Uh, we need reinforcements. Send in Gigan from space. So this is the this is the second and only other uh, movie you get Gigan until like Gigan was Final Wars. Movie. Yeah, and then it's like, they're beating the shit out of the Jaguar. Godzilla comes and then they start beating the shit out of both of them. And then they do the classic, like, all right, let's switch partners. And they start beating the shit out of them again. And this is the great one. So each there's three movies that have like key Godzilla pieces. Uh, Godzilla versus uh, the Astro monster, Monster Zero. When they're in space, he does like the Godzilla jump where he's like that victory jump where he's like, eh. like he does like that cool, like jump thing where he oh, yeah. puts his hands in the air on uh, Hydra. He does the fucking he flies. In this movie, he does the jump kick. So yeah. when Gigan gets away, say it. <laughs> yes, Jamie, you know what I'm talking about, right? I mean, he is technically jumping and kicking, but it's like not like a regular jump kick. No, it's not. And because Jet Jaguar is holding Megalon down, Godzilla he just literally jumps up in the air and he just floats in the air. He just like flies like feet parallel first. to the ground. <laughs> Feet fucking first, and he's just facing the sky and just hits Megalon. It is the most amazing thing. And James, I gotta say, if you if anyone can learn how to fight like that, 
They will be a god among this earth if they could just go, I jump into the air to kick you, but I automatically float towards you. Feet first. You're fucking gone, bro. Uh, God, it's so fucking good. That's like one of the most iconic scenes if you ever watch a Godzilla movie. Watch it just for that. Like, it's so, this is honestly, this is another, it's got another great song. It's like a Jet Jaguar song. And it is really, really good. Like, this is one of the best Showa era movies for sure. And y'all should definitely take a look at this one. It's it's great. It's great. Definitely. And they don't use the stock footage as, as much. And it's it fits in a lot better because it's not night and day, literally. It's like everything's in the daytime. So you don't have to worry about that either. Thank God. But it's really cool. Uh, let's see. Where are we now? I did two, three. Okay, two more. Uh, another is a show, James. So... I watched, finally, I got back to it. I watched seasons three, four, and five of iZombie. Oh, I never finished that show, but I really liked it while I was watching it. Yeah, I don't know why I stopped. I think it was at that time. It was at that point where I needed to stop watching something from CW. And Mm. the only reason I think I did, even though I think I preferred it to some of the other shows there, was because it wasn't related to all the, the capes. You know, it wasn't uh, part of uh, I see. all those ones. So that was the main reason. Because this was also, this was before Black Lightning. This was before Riverdale. I don't think I was watching the 100 yet at this point either. Like, um, I don't remember at that point. Like, I think it was just the superhero stuff at that at that moment. But, uh, dude, it stays consistent, honestly. They keep, uh, I guess with that spoil, because you're going to watch it, right? I'm assuming, or... Uh... I might watch it eventually, but I don't really care too much about spoilers nowadays. Okay. Each arc pretty much has a different theme. Like each one, each season does like a full on, like we've not necessarily closed completely all the issues from the past season, but they like, they get through the specific hurdle they're trying to run through. And, you know, season one is just her figuring shit out and going against uh, Blake, who's like that zombie that infected her. uh, And Mm, yeah. It's like just the vendetta against him. And then the second one is Max Rager, where it's the guys who actually had the party to begin with. And they're the ones that infected everybody. Uh, and they're like, because uh, they use that weird energy drink to do it. Yeah. And it like makes zombies go fucking insane, apparently. Like, they, like, they, zombie, they go zombie rage on people. But the third season is the revelation that there is a zombie corporation and there's like a whole secret society of zombies and interesting they use like the they use the island that's at seattle to do so that's like their headquarters if i remember correctly or something like that and i think it was like or no they were gonna build and they were gonna build a zombie society there and their whole plan was like uh oh what we're gonna do is eventually reveal ourselves to humans when it's safe to do so and when we do We'll have a plan where we tell them we're going to all live on this island so no one gets infected, like people don't get screwed over, and we can get a blood supply or uh, a brain supply from like dead people. Uh, so that way, like, there's no issues or things like that. And then you get through all these assassinations, like uh, the main leaders of this uh, movement, the, the leaders die, and then they get like different leaders and stuff. And there's all this espionage and inner dealings where you find out like oh there's some good zombies but there's also some bad ones and there's still some humans that are fucked up too and what happens is if i remember correctly the episode the season ends with people getting infected and uh yeah so like uh 
the in order they concoct a crazy plan where or like one of the one of the people that orchestrated like the assassination of the other leaders is like we're going to infect as many humans as possible so then they have to join us and that's Mm -hmm. how people become zombies and a bunch of people do get infected so then the numbers swell up immensely but it's also outed that there's zombies and everything else and they have to like deal with all that kind of stuff and it gets pretty interesting and then like the fourth season uh they're going through and they're dealing with now seattle's been quarantined or it's been locked blocked off by the rest of the country because uh they don't want people getting in there and doing some shit to like i guess fuck things up and uh seattle's become a military state and through it like uh the zombies are in charge and they are pretty much leading through everything and you get to a point where uh people are being infected to be cured so when they become a zombie they don't have cancer they don't have oh, uh different yeah so there's like uh, they start incorporating coyotes where they can uh smuggle people in so they can get infected in order to become immune to those diseases and just so they at least get can get saved that way but the issue too is now they're making the, everything harder because there's brain shortages they're dealing with like apparently also religious zombie zealots who are like going by like the church of brains or some sh- i forget what it was called but they're like why are we eating shitty paste uh or like you know we're getting rations when we should be getting like anything we want and uh, there's like all these separate different uh there's anti-zombies there's all these different it starts introducing factions in this season and all of them have different plans and plots and like i said each faction have like people within it that are also like oh well i have these alternate plans and shit and you still have like your main crew of people that are like you know the whole, throughout this whole thing there's still all these episodes where Liv is just uh eating a brain and solving a crime and going through a personality and stuff and eventually you know they kind of solve it to the point where she becomes like the underground leader and then they try to execute her and there's like a whole thing where dude major kills like the main zombie leader and then becomes the zombie commander (laughs) for season five and then season five is like the culmination of it all where now you have the zombies versus the humans but then there's still a subgroup of zombies that are much more military like much more hostile and there's like inner coups and stuff like there's a lot of shit that happens and it honestly ends much more brutal than i would have liked it to be because there's a lot of betrayals like people you actually liked in other seasons turn out to actually be completely evil there's some uh fucked up shit that happens where some people get pretty messed up endings even if they're small side characters or bigger ones and you're just like oh jesus like that's actually pretty fucked up uh they actually have to do a time jump to end everything but they give you like a uh, default like they, they give you a pure ending without like leaving like loopholes for the most part but they show kind of what happens with each character and they close it pretty nicely i would say honestly like it's what for the cw i would say james just because you know they keep everything alive long enough that you're just like stop making this fucking show yeah, and end it jesus like, uh, um supernatural that like should have ended at season six oh, and it went on for like 13 seasons it, yeah uh god i can't believe this yeah uh this is five seasons and then it just ends and you're like oh cool thank you like i appreciate that you ended it and it wrapped up nicely like you didn't draw things out like you had something else lined up or there were things that lingered from previous season that you did address finally like they really keep that 
going and they do a really good job of it i think all right and last thing i got james uh, another show to knock out here uh chilling adventures of sabrina seasons three and four hmm. have you been watching that at all no i it's one of those shows that i meant to watch at some point and i've been seeing daniel watch whatever the most recent season is and it looks like something that i might enjoy i definitely want to get to it at some point i just haven't yet yeah it's um it's really good uh season three is interesting because there's like this whole hell plot where they had captured uh or i guess I, i'm gonna i'll hold off on spoilers here because i know you haven't watched it yet uh for this one i know you do want to watch it yeah. right. but i'll just say like um there's really cool hell civil war shit in this they they really bring hell into it a lot more because the other ones like the hell is more of like a everyone talks about it but you don't see it and it's very much like you know the devil's like uh oh praise be and it's like he's kind of there in the background like in the shadows and you're like is it actually the devil or is it like he speaks to me and he's like does he really speak to you like you don't mm. really know and in this one it's like it passes all of that where you're like oh shit things are real and now there's this other realm and uh there's people that are dealing with the crazy um they 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 have two plot lines in this without spoiling too much there's like a hell plot line where you're dealing with all the demons and shit and then there's a plot line where in Greendale, there are there's a circus that comes to town, and instead of it staying strictly to like witches and hell, and potentially also like at certain points, you know, a little bit of heaven, like there's a little bit of it. Uh, there's now these um, ancient gods that are brought into it. Like uh, I forget what they're called, but there's like a satyr type dude or something. Where the circus, these circus people are like, oh, we're an older type of witch. We're like the dru, like the nat druid type or something. Where we, it's like the um, what would you call them? The uh, uh what is it like? They they call older gods that aren't uh, just um, old gods. I guess old gods, yeah. But they were like Cthulhu is technically an old god. No, but that's a uh, that's a uh, I'll get to that. Um, just but no, it's like this. um. You know when it's like Christmas is partially also pagan, pagan, pagan. That's what they're like, pagan witches. I'm That's a, what I'm they're go called. Close my heater vent real quick. Hold on. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. Uh, I'll keep going though. Yeah, but, sure. Uh, yes. Yeah, so the this one has like these pagan witches, and it's interesting because they have a completely different set of magic. But it's a combo of these magic people, but also it's got a lot of like ancient style uh, beings who are not necessarily human. You have, or like, not necessarily human or witch type. Like, it's like fantasy kind of. Like, you have hobgoblins and kind of uh, gorgons and stuff. Like, they're actually in the circus. Ah, interesting. And it gets really interesting there. Yeah. Uh, and then season four is, and it's honestly season three is a cool season. Uh, they each one feels a little bit different because season one, you know, Sabrina's hiding everything about her. Season two is a little bit more open where people are understanding what's going on. And there's still distrust, but you kind of get what's happening here. Season three, uh, everyone's kind of resolving around each other where all of the local threats have kind of been taken care of to now everyone's having to band together because there's now outer outside threats that are coming into the city that you didn't have to deal with before. And so they keep expanding, basically making it bigger. You kind of make friends, but also now making new enemies as that goes on and like former enemies become friends and whatnot. And then season four comes in and just fucking goes insane because they're like, hey, it's the Eldritch Tears. And 
each one is it's not necessarily cthulhu james like each one is like one of those different eldritch type tears though and each one brings its own challenge hmm. and it's like eight episodes and there's like eight tears so each episode is a different tear pretty much uh so for sure you're getting a full movement forward where you know you're getting at least one of them taken out for from one way or another and there's like different costs and prices that happen for each one things actually do progress to a point where you're like oh fuck but i will say the whole show is really fun it is also a combo where it does feel it just feels like riverdale with magic because it's just ridiculous. So like oh, all these kids yeah. are just doing whatever they want. And I'm like, okay, I'm the adults just don't give a fuck. But then the ending, I'm not going to spoil the ending. I'm just going to say the ending kind of ruins it all. I'm just kind of like this. That's it. That's what you guys wanted to do with this. Mm. This is where you wanted to go with it. And it's really disappointing uh, the way they end it. it it's just kind of like, yeah, I'm just, I, I didn't think it was a good way to do it. It's like, honestly, they did with this what they did with the 100, where the 100 ended really stupidly. And with, besides that, I really just didn't even like the final season in general. Uh, I just felt like they kind of lost sight of themselves and didn't know what they were doing anymore. Because from, from what I heard, too, they strayed away from what the books were doing anyway. Mm. But this one, it definitely felt a little weird. Partially, honestly, because like each episode was an Eldritch Tear, it did feel slightly rushed, too, because you're like, how are they going to end this exactly just like this? And like I said, the way it ends, you it leaves a lot to be desired. You're just kind of like, well, I, yeah, you could have done you could have done better. Here. So is this but, like the end of the whole the whole show? Yep. It's oh. only four seasons. OK, so it's like what, 20, like 32 episodes, I guess, because it's like eight, eight, eight seasons an episode or eight, eight episodes a season. Sorry. All right. Yeah. But uh, without saying too much, I would say uh, season three is really cool. Season four, for the most part, is it's good. It's just the, the latter half of it. Like, I mean, not the half, like basically the last quarter is just kind of weird where they just kind of do some strange stuff with it. And then they just kind of end it. And you're just kind of sad that they've ended it like so. Um, you, you wish they did a better job with it because it, it, I don't know, it just, it doesn't feel, it feels very rushed all of a sudden. Those last two episodes make it feel very rushed where you have these stories drawing out and you're like, oh, this is really cool. And then like who you kind of think are allies become enemies very quickly. And it just goes very, very fast. And you're like, um, okay, I guess this is happening now, but fine. Oh, it's over. F okay. What? Uh, <laughs> oh, fuck. Yeah, that's that's how I'd sum it up, basically. But that's uh, Sabrina. James, I think we got time for you to do one more before we end. Okay. Uh, what do I want to talk about? Um, I could talk about this real quick. So I never really watched Samurai Jack when it first came out. Uh, I'm oh. I'm getting through it now, but I'm not very far into that. But uh, I, which season are you on? I'm still on the first season. Oh, okay. But instead of talking about that, I'll talk about that later when I have like more full impressions. <laughs> I watched another Gendy Tarkovsky uh, project. Oh, did you watch Primal? I watched Primal. At least I haven't watched that. How is the it? first season? Uh, at least is on uh, uh, HBO Max. I everyone I've talked to says it's great. It's a little unfortunate that it it ends on like a huge cliffhanger. So I'm like, oh, oh I want the next season so bad because I know it's already out. Isn't it coming soon? He's, they've been teasing it a lot. I I I've definitely seen teases for at least one specific episode in the next season. That's like a straight up zombie horror episode where like a zombified brontosaurus comes out of fucking nowhere and just like starts like infecting everyone. Um, oh, it's really, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's just like horrifying. And like, 
one of the things I find most interesting about Primal is that there are no, there is no dialogue. There's no talking. Like the most, like the the main character, just like he's a caveman. So he like sh- uh, screams and grunts and stuff like that. So it's just, it's so interesting to me that Gendy Tarkovsky was able to get so much emotion and so much like character development into a show with literally no lines like the first episode shows like how the two main characters get together um you don't even get names for them it's just like they're called spear and fang so spear is the the main character the the human and fang is a like t-rex type uh dinosaur that he pals around with who has like one huge fang and basically they both brutally lose their families to um these larger like t-rex type looking things and then they just like band together to just like brutally destroy them and it's like so from the brief periods of time i've seen with like um uh, samurai jack where like he basically is like so skilled of a, a warrior that he cannot be defeated so spear feels like jack but caveman jack where <sighs> He cannot lose. And it is really satisfying to watch him do what he does. And dude, the, like the combat that like Spear and Fang get into sometimes is like straight up brutal. Like there are times where I'm just like, oh my God, I can't believe you did that in a cartoon. Holy shit. And like, there's only like six episodes or something like that in the first season, but like it's completely entertaining from start to finish. I, I really loved it. And again, just nice. really impressed that I was able to get so into the characters and enjoy it without like any dialogue, any voice lines. It's just like watch these people do what they do. And it's really satisfying. Like the the final episode of the season, uh, the Rage of the Ape Men or something like that was absolutely phenomenal. It, it's really, really cool. Okay. It sounds pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I mean, I, I've been wanting to watch it forever now. I need to. Um, God, I wish I didn't uh, do what I was going to do soon. Where I mean, I, I think I told you about this before with the, the screening copies I got. Actually, I don't uh, know. So, yeah. But um, yeah, dude, that's I, I can't wait to watch it. And I still have to man. I still have to. It's like it's on HBO Max. So I know I can watch yeah. it. Is that where you watched it? Yeah, that's, that's where I watched it. It's unfortunately the second season isn't isn't on there yet. But it's just like. My only issue with the show is that it's because there's no voice dialogue or any uh, like voice lines or anything. uh, You can't really watch it in the background because it's all visual. Oh, God forbid forbid you can't. (laughs) That's the thing. So it's like, I know what you mean. It's it's completely entertaining, but it's like you can't really be doing some side project off on the side while you're watching it because you'll miss like a lot of stuff. Yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely. I mean, there there's a thing too where you differentiate where it's like the shows you need you can kind of do in the background versus the shows you're like I need yeah. to pay attention. Just like you know, we would never do anything in the background when we watch Game of Thrones back when that was yeah. like coming out all the time. So it's like that kind of thing. Or in this point, Wandavision. Uh, oh, it's absolutely. Been like or Mandalorian. Yeah, like it's like those shows have been pretty much like full attention. Whereas like I guess right now I'm able to multitask with Bojack at least. Like I know what's happening and I can look up, but I know like not every visual moment is going to be like For completely sure. important yeah but yeah all right James, do you me. think we 
I think we did a good amount. I think the it's it's a good that we we got those games out of the way from the sure, beginning. Yeah, because those were those were big ones. I think, dude, that's why I saved Assassin's Creed Origins. Like that took thirty minutes for me to talk about. That's why I was saving it for a while. But next time, I guess I'll probably get Call of Duty World War Two and Shadow of War out of the way. Maybe yeah, it's been cool. there for a while too. Man, but. I should play Shadow of War. I never finished that. I didn't even get that it's, far. It was yeah. I'll, t- I'll I'll talk about that. We'll we'll talk about that in March, everybody. Cool. But uh. Yeah, we'll we'll have our next. Um, we'll have. Do you want to do we want to just do it at the end of each month, or do we want to do yeah. it like at any point? No, yeah, like end of each month works then. Um, yeah. So that was the Sutro side talk backlog special number four. Boxo chocolate because we we're like, oh, it's Valentine's Day, February or something, and it's like chocolate. I like chocolate. Fuck it, that works. It's a collection of uh, things. <laughs> It's a collection of things. But of course, uh, if you have any questions for the show or anything you want to uh, comment, feedback, any of that stuff, sutrasidetalk at e- gmail.com. Uh, you can email us there. Once again, it's sutrasidetalk at gmail.com. It's also in the show notes. But uh, like I said, any anyone that sends in a question and we read that question on the show, if you're the first one we read for that episode, you'll get a copy of Midnight Ultra on Steam, uh, which is a game I did sound design for. But of course, uh, definitely catch us again. We'll be here next week uh, with news once again for March. And uh, spoiler, not really a spoiler, but a heads up, uh, it will have probably 20 to 30 minutes of Destiny 2 talk in there because we have a lot to say, at least in terms of the news we've gotten. And if anything, if we do have spare time, James, I think we'll probably, we can honestly talk about our season of the Chosen impressions and like the new mission and whatnot. So we'll probably throw that in there just so we can keep it all in one spot. And because, dude, imagine having to throw in Destiny here. We would have taken so much time just to. <laughs> Man, I want to play some Iron Banner because it's up this week, I think. But like, I also I wanna... finished everything. I did similar. I want to spend like the, that. Uh... Yeah, I want to spend tonight yeah. preparing for my job interview, though. So it's, I feel like it'd be kind of irresponsible to just spend the night playing Iron Banner. <laughs> no, for sure. Each day after work and after working out and stuff, I did um each character's uh, four bounties for mm-hmm. Iron Banner. So I did that uh, triumph. And also did like pretty much the 10 wins for each one. So all my lifetime Iron Banner triumphs are finished. And I'm very pleased with that. So nice. I'm happy. But all right, everybody. We'll catch you next week. Uh, until then, so long. Thanks for listening. <laughs>